Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I hope you're having a great day. I'm Ricky Matthews, and I'm honored to be here this morning with our new show here on Super Talk, The Coast View. People ask me, how did we name this thing The Coast View? V-U-E. But well, when we saw the definition of view, it really, it really uh, settled in and said that, that's got to be the name. View means the visual perception of a region. The visual perception of a region. Now, that's what we're going to do with this show. We're going to celebrate coastal Mississippi. <clears throat> and specifically, we're going to celebrate the men and women who are working overtime to make this place a, a better place to live, work, and play. So over the course of the next few weeks and months, uh, I hope you get a good reminder that we live in one of the most incredible places on earth. I also hope that you get a deeper appreciation for the kind of leadership that it takes to, to make coastal Mississippi the special place that, that we are. And then finally, I think we're going to have some amazing conversations with some extraordinarily successful people. So I hope, I hope you pick up a thing or two about how to achieve more success in your life. But mostly, I want you just to enjoy these conversations. It's going to be a great opportunity for us to, to learn more from our guests. So it's usually going to be one person for one hour. There's only one exception this week when, on Wednesday when we talked with Rick Carter and Terry Green from the Island View. Um, but usually it's one person for one hour so we can get to know the person behind the public face. So before we go any further, I want to introduce you to the uh, producer of this show, Kyle Curley, who's literally a jack of all trades here. He does weather and he does uh, traffic and he's involved in news and he's an engineer behind the scenes. And he's helped us get this show off the ground. Kyle, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I wish I could say who dat with gusto, uh, eh. but <laughs> here we are. Kyle's claim to fame is he does the, the music for the Saints uh, at the Superdome during Saints games. He did a great job yesterday. It just, unfortunately, we fell a little short. So th- Just a little bit. Again, third year in a row. Second year in a row with a pass interference, but, you know. Oh, I know. That's just bitterness. (laughs) Well, anyway, Kyle, thank you, buddy. I really appreciate all your hard work. You're welcome. And uh, we're we're looking forward to having a great show here. As I thought about who could be the first guest, um, I I kept coming back to the same name over and over again. Um, This this guest is probably the, the best guest you could have in terms of speaking to coastal Mississippi and how it fits into the rest of the world. The former governor of the state of Mississippi, Haley Barber. Haley, how are you doing this morning? Hey, Ricky. I'm fine. Congratulations on, uh, on this show. I, I look forward to it being a great success. Well, thank you. Thank you. When I was approached by Steve Davenport and Kim Dillon about doing this show, um, I listened to their vision, their vision for Super Talk Mississippi, and particularly their vision for Super Talk in South Mississippi, and I've been retired for three years and kind of enjoying that. Um, I look at this as more of a hobby now. But when I listen to their vision, the opportunity we have to convene coastal Mississippi in much the same way I used to do when I was the publisher of the Sun-Herald, it seemed like a vision I wanted to be part of. So I'm really excited about it. And as I say, it's going to be a great hobby. I'm still going to be able to enjoy retirement, but uh, get to do something that's, that's also fun and sort of back in the game at the same time. So that ought to be, that ought to be fun. So look, um, we're going to have three segments. The first segment, we're going to talk about 
you know, your, your path from Yazoo City to working with the uh, Reagan White House. The second um, segment, we're going to talk about, kind of look back on your governorship and some of the highlights there. Uh, the third segment, we're going to talk about Katrina. And, you know, obviously your work after Katrina has been legendary. And I look forward to, as we look back nearly 15 years later, you know, how, you know what, what's your perspective on that? And at the end, we have a few minutes at the end, got a couple of things that I want to just kind of, sh- you know, talk about if we have the time. But why don't we start with, um, you know, Yazoo City, Mississippi. You tell, for listeners who don't know where that is, tell them where it is. Well, Yazoo City right on the edge of the Mississippi Delta, northwest of Jackson, about 40 miles on the Yazoo River. And uh, that's where I grew up. But where both, both my parents grew up and, and their parents grew up there. So uh, we've been around Yazoo City for a long time. Uh, I went to Yazoo City High School, graduated in 1965, went to Ole Miss. And it was while I was there in 1968, I dropped out of school for the fall of 68 and ran 30 counties for the Nixon campaign in Mississippi. That was my first real exposure to real politics. I'd been the president of the student body in high school and that kind of stuff, but this was the first campaign I ever worked in. And uh, it just one thing led to another. In 69, the state Republican Party asked me to come back and run the census. I was the state director of the census in 69 and 70. Then I ran the campaign for Nixon's reelection in 1972. I was the coordinating campaign director. And then they asked me to be executive director of the state party for four years. And my family law firm, my uncle told me it was okay because they didn't need me right then. I could take four years and then come back, which I did. And then one thing led to another. As you know, I ran uh, I ran against Senator Stennis in 1982. And then in 1985, President Reagan asked me to be the political director of the White House, which I which I did for two years for the for the, for that cycle. Wouldn't give anything for it. Was pretty heady stuff for a boy from Yazoo City to go to work at the White House every day. How old were you then? Work. How old were you then? Uh, I was thirty six, mm-hmm. uh, thirty six or seven, when I first went up there. I uh, uh, I got started as I say as a college boy, and my mother who died when. I was only 24, but my, but my mother used to ask me, when was I going to get a real job? You know, I'd go to work in campaigns. I went to work for the census, another campaign. She was worried about whether I was ever going to grow up and get a real job. <laughs> so you, uh, so who, who is it that influenced you the most during those early days? Well, you know, Ricky, my dad died when I was two. And so my mother raised my two older brothers and, and me. And, I, and nobody had as much influence on me as she. And I, my mother, was, she, had, she was a legal secretary. She was uh, very, very bright. Uh, and But she had very high expectations for us. But she raised us in such a way, if you met the expectations, you got a lot of freedom. Uh, so I had a, I had a great childhood, and, but I was influenced by my uncle, who was our senior law partner, my high school football coach, who was one, Red Jenkins, Ulyss Red Jenkins, who coached me all the way through high school and uh, was a tremendously great influence on me. He was a guy who knew how to deal with young men. Who He knew who needed to be cussed at and who needed to be patted on the back and said, it's all right. 
And that's a great lesson in life to, to, to learn how to work with people so that they respond to you in the way you want and that they think that you respect them. Uh, so he was, a, he was a real influence on me, too. Well, your dad was a lawyer and a judge. Uh, as you look back on, well, my dad life. was a lawyer. Yeah. My dad was a lawyer, but his father was a judge. Okay, his father. Okay, okay. So, uh, as you look back uh, on your father, you know, what, what? Even though he died when you were two, what, what, what are you able to get from his life? Well, he was very, very bright. Uh, he went to Princeton to undergraduate school, and then uh, he was there during the Depression in mm-hmm. the thirties. So at that time, they would let you go to Princeton for three years, go to law school at Ole Miss or wherever you were going to law school, and they would count your first year of law school as your last year at Princeton. Mm-hmm. So so he went to, to Princeton, and he went to Ole Miss Law School, and uh, I was blessed to get to know a lot of the people that he went to law school with, but I, I knew very few of the people that he uh, went to Princeton with until I got to be grown. And right. I bumped into some of them in my political career along the way. But my dad was very, very, very bright, uh, extremely good student, and a good lawyer. But he died at age 35. Wow. Uh, so. Wow. So it, from 93 to 97, you became the chairman of the Republican National Committee. And and uh, in, in your your leadership there was was extremely important to the party uh, because for for the first time in forty years the GOP uh, gained control of both houses of Congress. Uh, you, you look back on that time. What what sticks out to you? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, I I sort of came out of a party background, even though in Mississippi our party was so weak that literally there were no Republican legislators when I started. Zero. Wow. Zero out of 174. There were three Republican mayors in the whole state. It happened that my oldest brother was one of them. And that's how I got involved in Republican politics. So I went to, uh, through my career, as I described earlier, in working in party roles. And then Reagan asked me to run the political office at the White House, which I did for two years. And I had worked in the 76 campaign and run seven states for forward after the uh, after the convention. By, by the way, I was for Reagan at the convention. Mm-hmm. So I knew a lot of people, particularly in the South, but working for the, in the White House gave me a lot of breadth of, of friendships all over the country. So when I ran for party chairman and I ran after Bush lost, and, and when your party doesn't have the White House, the National Committee has a real election. And I won uh, in a landslide on the third ballot. Wow. Mm-hmm. So uh, I uh, did, I mean, the biggest reason I won is that so many people I had developed relationships when I was at the Reagan White House. And it was a, it was a great time to be chairman when you're, you know, we had just, we had 172 in the House, we had 42 in the Senate, so, so we had 18 Republican governors nationwide, and what? our candidate for president, the incumbent George Bush. Hey, let's co- hey, let's come back. Let's come back. At, vote for, let's come uh, back after the break. Since 1912. Yep. Let's come back. So after it turned the out break. to be a great time. Couldn't yeah. go any way but up. Okay, we'll be we'll be talking about your governorship here shortly. 
Okay, here's the deal. If you like saving money, then listen to what I'm about to say. Don't scan the dial. Listen. We've got tickets to the Audubon Zoo for just 15 bucks, And yeah, you do the quick math. That's half price. $30 zoo tickets for just $15. Best part about it? No catch to it. Get as many half price tickets as you want right now at Supertalk 1031's Facebook. And just look for the Half Off Deals logo and click it. It's really easy. Take the kids to the zoo for half price. But hurry. This offer ends. They might already be sold out. Sometimes the sniffles turn out to be more than the sniffles. Luckily, there's a Walgreens right around the corner so you can feel better faster. And right now, get select Mucinex products for only $14.99 each with card. No reason to waste more time feeling lousy this cold season. Get in and out in minutes so you feel better faster. (sighs) Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Uses directed. Restrictions may apply. See store for details. Valid in store through January 11th. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit beefy, or even with type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Affordable term life insurance is out there. Call term provider and speak with Big Lou at 800-481-1458. 800-481-1458 or visit BigLou.com. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. When you need to pick up a last-minute birthday card or gift, stop into Love's Pharmacy and Gifts and pass Christiane. Yes, Love's is a full-service pharmacy, combining local hospitality and affordability. When half of the store has unique gifts, beautiful decorations for your home, fragrances, and free gift wrapping, you only have to make one stop. Love's Pharmacy and Gifts, 12345 Vidalia Road in Pass Christiane. If you love great service with a smile, you'll love Love's Pharmacy, with a second location now open in Ocean Springs. Just like money in your pocket, that's super fun. When you trade with us, you always get our best. Super deals are why. Whether you sell or buy, we can check sweeping bills. We make loans like no one will. And help you keep your pockets filled. Just like money in your pocket, that's super fun. I've got to get that fixed. Uneven driveways causing headaches? Helms Polyfoam will fix it without tearing up your driveway in the process. We inject polyfoam under settled concrete to stabilize it in a matter of minutes, not days. Polyfoam is used on runways, railways, and highways, so there is no question it will support your driveway. We also repair seawalls, sidewalks, pond dams, retaining walls, and unstable soil. Visit HelmsPolyfoam.com or call Helms Polyfoam at 601-966-7821. Reminding you why the Mississippi Gulf Coast is such a great place to live, work, and play. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the Coast View. And we've got uh, Governor Haley Barber, the former governor of the state of Mississippi, joining us. And we were just talking about uh, his, uh, his past from his childhood through the chairmanship of the Republican Party. And we're going to circle back now and... You know, I'm interested in learning, you know, what, what are some of the interesting experiences or lessons you learned from working for President Ronald Reagan? Well, I was, you know, it's a great blessing just to go to work every day and work at the White House and work with President Reagan. And I, as the political director, I was in charge of all political travel, so I traveled with him a lot. I made about 60 trips with him in two years. 
some of them that would be three stops. You know, we would go to three different cities and spend a lot of time with him on the airplane. And the first thing about Reagan that, that will always stick with me, he, he was so gracious to everybody. He treated staff, even young staff like me, like they were his peer. Like he thought you were his peer. You knew that he didn't think you were his peer. And he knew he didn't think you <laughs> thought he was your peer, his peer. But he still treated you that way. He was gracious and generous and considerate. The other thing is, when I worked for Reagan, you never had to have a big argument about what we were for. We knew what we were for because Reagan knew what he was for. And he knew why he was for it, and he knew how he thought it would help the country. And he could verbalize that so well that he didn't have to do it many times. And you understood. I can't remember one time us having an, an issue about what to do about something when it was a trip that I was in charge of. Right. And, uh and that's pretty remarkable for all the trips that I did and all the all the guys that guys and gals that we worked with. And of course the political director of the White House is also at the point where policy interfaces with politics. And you know, that's why I'm such a free trader. You know, in the in the Reagan administration, we believed in free trade, open markets, fair trade, and, and I can tell you Reagan wouldn't have tolerated the Chinese cheating on their World Trade Organization agreements for, for 20 years before somebody did something about it. Right. Uh, but Reagan was very strong, but it was a steel fist in a velvet glove. He was as nice a person as you ever met. And it really, you know, it, it paid off in what he was able to get done. You remember, Ronald Reagan never had one day a Republican majority in the House of Representatives. Sometimes the Democrats had majorities approaching 100 seats. And yet they passed the Reagan economic plan. They passed Social Security reform. They passed immigration reform. They passed the 1986 tax bill. All of those done with a Democratic House, Tip O'Neill, who I, I can remember when Tip was speaker, you know, Irish like Reagan. And he would come over to the White House to meet with the president. And occasionally I would be invited to sit. And always some staff was in any meeting that the president had. But sometimes I was invited to be in that, in a meeting with, with mm -hmm. Speaker O'Neill. And it was just great to watch them together. Tip having a beer, Reagan having a glass of wine, two great Irishmen who loved jokes. And they, they were just, uh, you know, Tip O'Neill's politics and mine couldn't have been much different. But I just thought he was a wonderfully nice man. And, and, I, and there are a lot of Democrats that I have worked with throughout my career that I feel the same way about. What a great image of them sitting together, you know, having uh, this you know, incredible conversation about the future of the U.S. together and, and being able to be there and observe that. that it had to have had a huge impact on you. So, so, he, so where do we go from here? I, I want to talk about, kind of look back a little bit uh, on your governorship. I looked looked uh, and saw that in July uh, 2010, there was a uh, a poll done that put your approval rating at 70 percent. Uh, why do you think you, you know that that poll was so high as you look back now on on your governorship? 
Oh, I think there are two or three things. One is when I ran for governor, I made very plain what I was going to try to do, like tort reform, like not increasing taxes, like getting control of spending because our spending was, was out of touch, like making economic development one of the, the, well, the top priority for the governor. And we did those things. We passed tort reform. We brought Toyota in and pack car and and uh, Airbus and you, you know just go. You can go down the list. General Electric, uh, that General Electric Aviation, and people looked and saw that. Uh, did what I said I was going to do. And the other thing that I think unquestionably has the greatest influence of all is Katrina. Yes. Uh, being governor during Katrina was, I think, the hardest challenge that I could, I could have ever possibly had. But it was perverse. When I ran against Ronnie Musgrove, who was the incumbent Democrat, their campaign attacked me often for being a lobbyist. Right, right. And it turned out, in the wake of Katrina, what Mississippi needed more than anything else was a lobbyist. Right. Uh, I had worked with many, many people in Washington, both parties, not just in the Bush administration. And so I had a starting place with them and some confidence. And I had a great team around me. And let me tell you, nobody in politics or much of anything else ever gets very far by themselves. it's, It's having a great team and giving your team not only responsibility, but authority. Right. You got to be willing to delegate authority, which a lot of politicians have a hard time with. But uh, we had to essentially create a new disaster relief system because the Stafford Act, the federal law that that existed when Katrina happened, simply didn't contemplate the mega disaster. So, I mean, it was for you know a flood or a tornado, but it didn't. It didn't contemplate a hundred thousand homes totally mm. destroyed and uninhabitable the utter obliteration that was on the coast or that you would have hurricane force winds as far north as west point <laughs> north of columbus uh so because i had a great team with jim perry and paul hurst and a bunch of people and i had thad cochran and trent lott and a great congressional delegation to work with we were able to get the federal government to do things they had never done before. For instance, Ricky, under the Stafford Act, there was no provision for the vet federal government to do anything to help with permanent housing. Right. The housing program was a temporary housing program because they never thought that the Mississippi Gulf Coast would have 60,000 homes that were uninhabitable that had to be rebuilt and that most of those homes would be outside the federally designated flood zone. Right. So they didn't have flood insurance. And because the federal government was, when we put this in front of the Bush administration and both houses of Congress, they, they realized we can't blame the people of Mississippi who didn't have health insurance when the federal government told them they didn't need it. Yeah. And that's how we created what became known as the HAP program, the Homeowners Assistance Program. And it was completely created for Katrina. It actually was created for Mississippi because Louisiana told the government at the time they didn't know exactly what they wanted. 
And Thad really did not want to give us something and leave Louisiana in the lurch. So finally, Louisiana said, well, we'll just take what Mississippi gets. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, how, that's how that permanent housing program came into existence. And about $4.5 billion of federal money came into Mississippi in many places, in many ways, to replace private insurance that was never bought because people had been told by the federal government they were not in the flood zone. Uh, we're going to come back in the next segment and, and go into some detail about Katrina, but I was having a conversation with Joe Cloyd the other day, who was your aide-de-camp at that time, your personal assistant for people who don't know that term, and he said that uh, the amount of energy that you put into developing relationships in Jackson and in Washington prior to the storm, of course, we didn't know the storm was coming, just because you were so focused on your agenda, it ultimately really kind of greased the skids for you. For, for what was to come in the aftermath of the storm. But you were really focused on, you understood that in order to achieve your agenda, you had to develop relationships across party lines and, uh, and put a lot of energy into developing those relationships. You, you did spend a lot of energy on that, didn't you? Well, I did. I, I went to Washington 19 times in three months. Wow. Uh, I had a long relationship up there anyway with a lot of people, but two things stick out to me. Storm was on Monday morning. Wednesday afternoon, Thad Cochran had toured the coast in a helicopter, came back to Jackson, came to the governor's mansion, and told me, he was chairman of appropriations at the time, he said, you tell me what Mississippi needs and I'll try to get it for you. Because you are going to know in Mississippi better than anybody in Washington is ever going to know what's really needed. So I'm going to rely on you. So Haley, the second thing is that I walked into the yep. Capitol going to see the Republican Speaker of the House. I bumped into Barney Frank, a very, very liberal Democrat conference from Massachusetts. He said, I heard that you've got a plan for Mississippi. And I said, yes, sir, I'm taking it to the speaker right now. I pre presented it to the president this morning. He said, write me a letter, Let's send do this. me Let's, the plan, and I'll write every Democrat in the House and ask them to vote for it, and I'll vote for Let's it. Let's come back after the break, and then we're going to continue that. We'll be back with Haley Barber here shortly. I'm Evan Brown. Could it be that after more mass shootings, more people will want so-called red flag laws aimed at taking firearms from mentally unstable people? People that are insane, people that are sick up here, I don't want them to be able to get a gun. President Trump likes the idea on its face, as if now nobody with documented mental illness or aggression issues would get flagged in a background check. In addition, the same individual may not have any records that rise to the level of commitment or adjudication. Adeline Alchin's group supports red flag laws, but what could stop someone from trying to take your guns away just because they don't like you? Amy Swear with the Heritage Foundation. When properly constructed to afford robust due process protections, red flag laws may provide an important mechanism for intervention with regard to both suicides and mass public shootings. And those are your bullet points. I'm Evan Brown, Fox News. Everyone in my family uses electricity differently. But when it comes to our Touchstone Energy Cooperative, we all think about it the same way. The co-op is power. power. Sure, electricity turns the lights on, but power is the information I get from my co-op about efficiency, safety, technology, and I trust the co-op because we, we are, are the co-op. Co they're our neighbors. Our friends. Our home. 
brought to you by Coast Electric and Singing River Electric, your touchstone energy cooperatives. So you probably already know, Adventures Pub and Spirits has won awards for local favorites hangout on the coast and best bar on the coast, but you may not know that Adventures also features an excellent lunch special menu Monday through Friday. Homemade lasagna, burgundy beef tips, chicken fried steak, shrimp creole, and more for only $8.95. Oh, my personal favorite, the seafood pie loaded up. Lump crab meat, shrimp and cheese, baked in a flaky pie crust. Adventures Pub and Spirits, one block north of the Hard Rock, next door to City Hall on Lemieux. Hey, check out this report of our Office 365 email and the threats sitting in users' inboxes. Wow, how did you get this? There's a free tool called Barracuda Email Threat Scanner that can quickly and safely scan our Office 365 email for hidden threats like spear phishing and domain fraud. Really? Yeah, Barracuda Email Threat Scanner identifies hidden threats and employees most at risk for a cyber attack, all summarized in a complete report. This is great. Get your free email threat scan now at barracuda.com. Barracuda, your journey secured. Hi, Saver. Walgreens here. We like the way you save. Take coffee. You know it doesn't have to cost $4 a cup, so you make your own. And co-pays on Medicare Part D. You save up to $5 and get 100 balance rewards points on each prescription when Walgreens is your preferred pharmacy. Save smartly on Med D. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Copay savings on Tier 1 generic drugs available through select plans that include Walgreens as a preferred pharmacy. Points cannot be earned in Arkansas, New Jersey, or New York. Complete details at walgreens.com slash balance. If you're one of the millions of Americans who owes back taxes, if you get nervous when the mail comes because you might get a letter from the IRS, then you've heard. Their enforcement agents are cracking down this year and can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, even your home or business could be at risk over unpaid taxes. It's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. The award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief will fight to get you the best deal possible, protecting your paycheck and your assets from IRS collections. But don't delay because the IRS is tacking on interest and hefty penalties every single day. So don't wait until it's too late. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-936-9033. 800-936-9033. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Since 1950, when you needed help and advice from an experienced attorney, you turned to Boyce Holloman and Associates. Standing on the principles of experience, integrity, and results, Boyce Holloman and Associates can help you and your family with a variety of legal matters. When you come to Boyce Holloman and Associates of Gulfport, every client, every case, gets the level of service from attorneys and staff who honor the legacy of Boyce Holloman's tradition of excellence. See Dean and Tim Holloman at Boyce Holloman and Associates. 1720 23rd Avenue, Gulfport. Does climbing the flight of stairs to your elevated home make your joints ache? Need an outdoor elevator for your home or business? ELS Lifts provides residential, commercial, and cargo lifts designed to withstand the harsh coastal environment to simplify your elevated living needs. Every ELS lift is fabricated with marine-grade aluminum using stainless cables and hardware. Available for beach homes, commercial buildings, barns, and even houseboats. Call 888-990-LIFT or visit ELSLifts.com. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the Coast View. 
And we're having a, a great conversation with uh, Haley Barber, the former governor of the state of Mississippi. Governor, at the, right at the break, we were talking about uh, the story uh, about uh, uh, Frank. Why don't, you, why don't you finish that story? Well, Ricky, as I was saying, I went into the Capitol to go meet with the Republican Speaker of the House. I had just come from the White House where we had presented the plan to President Bush, and he had essentially said, okay, signed off on it with some details he wanted to work through. But So I go in the hall of the, of the Capitol, and I hear this voice say, Haley, Haley. I look over, and it's Barney Frank, a left-wing Democrat congressman from Massachusetts that I, we would have never voted alike. He said, uh, Haley, Haley, I came over. He said, I heard you got a plan for Mississippi for the government. I said, yeah, we do. I, in fact, I've just presented it to the president. I'm on the way to take it up to the speaker's office. He said, well, look, you send me a letter with a copy of the plan. I will write every Democratic member of the House and tell them I'm going to vote for it, and I wish they would too. And Barney Frank did exactly that. He wrote every Democrat member of the House and sent them a copy of our plan, and we didn't lose a Democratic vote, even though this was unprecedented amounts of money and programs. And it reminds me of what I was taught as a young political operative. In politics, there's no such thing as a permanent enemy. <laughs> if you're lucky, you might have some permanent friends. But what a great Katrina story. taught us all incredible lessons because it was such uh, a monstrous, unprecedented catastrophe. Uh, the destruction, it, it, it looked like an atomic weapon had gone off in the sound in the Gulf of Mexico and just leveled everything on the coast. From the Pearl River to the Alabama line, you had just utter devastation. And uh, Golly, Ricky, I, you probably remember because you were on one of our principal advisory committees. It took us 11 months just to clean up the debris that the federal government was responsible for picking up. And right. you can't start rebuilding at a place until you've cleaned up that place. So I remember that the first five years... 56 or 58,000 new residences were built on the Gulf Coast. Prior to that, the most ever built in one year was 1,800. Right. So you're talking about multiples of 5X, 6X, 8X. And, you know, uh, except for right down on the beach where the, the it's kind of snaggletooth because they make you raise your houses so high up off the up off the beach, uh, except for that, I, I think most people, if they came to the coast, couldn't tell it ever happened. And in fact, that the coast has come back bigger and better than it was before. So, so you, you probably, you have, you have a better, more knowledgeable opinion of that than I. Well, no, I think, I think that clearly uh, the coast has had uh, an unbelievable recovery. It's amazing as you think about it, it's almost 15 years ago. We've, we've sort of lived in this aftermath for this long. And had we not, you know, I'm saying we, the, the community, and under your leadership, uh, done the things that we did so quickly to really begin to, to, first of all, get our arms around what are we dealing with? How, how bad is this? You know, 231 people died. We had to put things in place going forward that would save lives. And so that we, it was as much about how to prepare for the next storm as it was about how to deal with 
the disaster that that we were dealing with. You know, the, the casino industry, which was like two point seven billion dollars of casino revenue for the state, was decimated. Um, two hundred thirty four thousand homes were damaged or destroyed. It was a it was a, a an apocalyptic situation, and it required incredible leadership. Um, as you look back on that moment. And just, I'm literally talking about the days that follow Katrina. What was going through your head at that point? Uh, did you have a clear sense of what you were going to have to do as a leader to begin to get your arms around it? Or what, was it, you, were you still just gathering information about what, you know, what we were dealing with? Of course, Ricky, nobody had ever seen any disaster. This was literally the worst natural disaster in American history. And we were making it up as we went along. And as we learned in the first couple of days, the federal government's disaster assistance law just didn't allow them to do certain things. And we were going to have to get the administration and the Congress to change the law or to go around the law for them to even try to help us like we would have to be helped. On Wednesday after the storm on Monday, we took my office and divided it up to Charlie Williams, my chief of staff, was responsible for regular government business if there hadn't been a Katrina. And Jim Perry was responsible for developing a new plan that would take care of our needs. Of course, Senator Cochran had mentioned, I said that same day, y'all are going to know better than us what you need. And the third thing, Paul Hurst, who was my general counsel, was in charge of things Katrina, you know, that we were doing then, because there's there are unbelievable resources of the state that were put into, into the coast the night before the storm, the day after, two, three days after. I mean, people were, were getting food stamps out in parking lots at folded tables by state employees who had driven down from Jackson because the people who normally did that in the office of the state, A, the office was gone, and B, the people had lost their home who normally did it. So we had all these thousands of state employees that just went to the coast. Some of them stayed in motels as far away as Columbia and commuted every day. And this went on for weeks. So you're right, there was a gigantic amount of crisis stuff, but we were blessed that we started two days after the storm trying to figure out what the federal government could not do that we needed and how we could get the law changed so that the federal government could do that. And uh, it's, uh, and I'm very proud of what our people did. And I'm very grateful to Thad and Trent and the whole congressional delegation, Democrats and Republicans, uh, I, I'm very grateful to the local elected officials and legislators. Actually, before the storm hit, we had a big meeting of local officials, and one of them, the, the superintendent of schools of Harrison County, got up and said, Governor, we understand if this is a really bad hurricane, then somebody's got to be in charge. You know, I'm a Democrat. But the only person that makes sense to put in charge is you. And we're here to tell you, if this happens, we will support you. If you will just promise, you will listen to us. Not do what we say, but give us a hearing, and then we'll go with you from there. And candidly, 
that made a huge difference. Just look at Louisiana, because that didn't happen in Louisiana. The mayor of New Orleans wanted to run everything in New Orleans, didn't want the state to do it, didn't want the governor to do it. And I, I am just blessed that here I am, only the second Republican governor since Reconstruction. I'd only been governor for 20 months. And the local officials said, now we're going to let you lead and we'll follow. And that made it a whole lot easier than if I'd had to face what Kathleen Blanco had to face. So, so Governor, you formed the Governor's Commission on Recovery, Rebuilding, and Renewal. I remember so well the tent meeting uh, at the outlet mall. That's where we had to erect tents to have this meeting where private sector and public sector leaders from across the coast came. The president, uh, President Bush, came. Um, I wanted to tell you something I may not have told you before. After that meeting, you can talk about the commission and that meeting in particular, but something happened after that meeting that is particularly poignant. Um, Billy McCoy, at the time the speaker you, you well know, uh, came up to me after the meeting. We were outside the tent. He puts his arm around me, and he said, Ricky, whatever you need, do not hesitate to call me. I am here to help. I'm going to work with the governor. I'm going to do everything I can to help South Mississippi come back. And, man, he had tears in his eyes. I mean, he was, he was extraordinarily motivated. Um, what, what can you say about his leadership during that time? Well, Billy McCoy did one of the bravest things of anybody in the state of Mississippi. As you know, and Billy died here last year, and uh, he and I had our battles, but he was a good man, honorable man. And one of the ways that that manifested to Mississippi's benefit was the coast casinos had been obliterated. And one of the issues was that the law at the time of Katrina, the casino floor itself had to float in the Gulf of Mexico. Every one of the casinos on the coast. And you remember well how many casinos were, the boat was, the barges were pushed up on, on Beach Boulevard or across Beach Boulevard and run into churches or museums or whatever. But Billy was against gaming. He'd always been against gaming. He believed it fervently, personally, and he, and he always opposed it. Well, we needed to let the casinos come on shore. And the casinos couldn't come on shore unless the legislature approved it. The Senate didn't want to go first. The leadership of the Senate also were from North Mississippi. And I went and saw the speaker and I said, Speaker, we need you to let this come to the floor and even though you're going to vote against it. Man, he didn't like that. But then he said, sent me word, he said, I am not going to let the coast collapse. The coast isn't coming back if those casinos don't come back. So I'm letting there be a vote. There was a vote. He voted against it. It won. The casinos came on shore and that did it wonders for the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So after the break, we're going we're gonna, to uh, kind of close the conversation on the Katrina and just use what time we have left to explore some other issues. We'll be back after the break. 
Does climbing the flight of stairs to your elevated home make your joints ache? Need an outdoor elevator for your home or business? ELS Lifts provides residential, commercial, and cargo lifts designed to withstand the harsh coastal environment. To simplify your elevated living needs, every ELS lift is fabricated with marine-grade aluminum using stainless cables and hardware. Available for beach homes, commercial buildings, barns, and even houseboats. Call 888-990-LIFT or visit ELSLifts.com. Eric Ohms, I'm an athletic trainer and serve as the sports medicine coordinator for Encore Rehab. I'm over our sports medicine program, sending athletic trainers to 21 high schools. One of the big things that we're looking at now is concussions. The things that you should look for when it comes to concussions on whether or not you should bring your child to the hospital are changes in behavior, vomiting, any worsening of a headache or dizziness, um, also visual problems or abnormal drowsiness. Any of these things you should send and uh, your child to the hospital as soon as possible. It, it is now state law. In, in 2014, Mississippi passed a state law that says anybody, uh, any athlete that is suspected of, of suffering a concussion must be removed immediately from play, uh, cannot be returned to play until they see a physician. And so our athletic trainers have a, a standardized protocol, a step-by-step that they follow uh, when it comes to suspected concussions of the high school and junior high athletes. Hey, have you heard that ransomware attacks have increased by 500% this year? Yeah, cybercriminals are targeting all types of businesses, encrypting their data and holding it hostage unless they pay up. What if we're their next victim? Don't worry. We have Barracuda to detect, prevent, and recover from ransomware and other advanced threats. So we're secured? Absolutely. We'll pay no ransom and keep this business up and running. (laughs) That's a relief. Protect your business at Barracuda.com. Barracuda, your journey secured. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Sometimes the issues of life require the assistance of a professional. Whether it involves an asbestos-related disease such as mesothelioma, personal injury from an accident, a real estate issue, or even an impending arrest charge, you need the help of an attorney. Cumbest Cumbest Hunter and McCormick have more than 100 years combined experience representing the interests of Jackson County and Gulf Coast clients. Cumbest Cumbest Hunter and McCormick, proud to support the Ole Miss Rebels. 762-5422, cchmlawyers.com. Now, back to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. So welcome back to the Coast View with uh, Governor Haley Barber, the former governor of the state of Mississippi. And we were just having a conversation about Hurricane Katrina. So, Governor, you know, give us your thoughts about the commission and the role the private sector played and ultimately what you learned about how important it was to get coastal Mississippi back on its feet for the good of the rest of the state? Well, first of all, uh, my view is that having private sector leadership in any issue that's important, whether it's tort reform or whatever issue, is always critical because more people are willing to listen to the private sector if the private sector comes together and says this is important than just to the average politician. I mean, we, we, we've seen that over and over. 
And this commission was really good. It was it, it, it dealt with several different big areas, big areas, and it was very focused on what needed to be done, not just for the coast, but remember this was a this was not just a coastal calamity. All of South Mississippi was crushed and even beyond that. So but I always think if you can get private sector leadership out front, you're gonna have a whole lot more success. Now the uh, the, the other thing about Katrina is we had to move the federal government to do things they'd never done before. And I'd like to take some credit for that, but boy, it was Thad Cochran and Trent Lott and our delegation. It was George Bush and the way he felt about Mississippi. It's guys like Andy Card, who was his chief of staff and some of the cabinet members that had relationships with us that really bent over backwards to make this work. Did we get everything we wanted done? No, I, I mean, if, if my biggest disappointment, Ricky, is that we did not get the federal government to allow the, the deepening of the channel to the port of Gulfport. It's only 36 feet. It needs to be at least 42, better 45. But that would have allowed a huge, huge increase into what comes through the port more jobs, more traffic, and uh, frankly, it would have helped all the way up to Hattiesburg for for a variety of reasons. But that's my biggest disappointment. What I, I wish we'd have got done, we didn't. So when you look at it from an economic point of view, you look back now, almost 15 years later, how important is the coast economy from uh, Ingalls on one end and Stennis on the other and all that's happening in between? How important is it to the rest of the state? Well, it's enormously important. You know, you may not remember the first time you and I ever met. I did the editorial board at the, at the Sun-Herald, and you threw everybody out <laughs> and afterwards said to me, are you going to take the coast seriously? And I said, yes, because the coast is so important to the state. It's a gigantic manufacturing area. Uh, you've got Stennis. You've got Keesler. You've got uh, the, the CB base. You've got a huge defense industry here from Jackson County to, ha to Hancock County. And we took that seriously. And we tried very hard to help the coast. And it was the, the Lord's will that Katrina hit the coast. And that's how was our biggest chance to help the coast. But, but the coast is, a, is about 15% of the state's population. It is more of the state's manufacturing and industrial and scientific uh, potential than just that. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than that because of some of the industries like Ingalls, Huntington Ingalls, and uh, like Chevron. Uh, so, yeah, it's hugely important. And it's there, there were times when there were people in state government that just sort of ignored the coast. Uh, my wife, and I'll close by saying this, we have a mural that was painted while I was governor in a conference room at the governor's mansion. And the mural depicts the state of Mississippi geographically, uh, meaning forests and, and hills and delta and rivers. And Marsha made the artist draw the coast bigger than its actual percentage of the, of, of the land mass. She made it a larger percentage of the painting because she said, 
the coast always gets underestimated and undertreated and I'm not going to let that happen. The coast deserves better. Well, she was passionate. She, 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 we loved her. You know, we still love her. Her, her heart was unbelievable. You were awarded the Thomas Jefferson Award as a result of your leadership, and you became an honorary South Mississippian. And we really appreciate it. Haley, thank you for taking time to talk to me this morning. This has been a, a terrific conversation, and I want our listeners to tune in tomorrow to listen to Bobby Mahoney. What a great personality! And take a minute, take a minute and pause today and enjoy the Coast View. Have a great day. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.